The following podcast is scheduled for one fall. One fall! It's almost time for a new chapter of Geek Catch-Up to start. But before it does, Chris and I wanted to take a moment to send our love and appreciation out to all of you for choosing to hang out with us. If you enjoy Geek Catch-Up, then make sure to slam that subscribe button and help us level up the show by leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. You can also find us on social media to get updates on all things GK, interact directly with us, and content from the world of geekery. Geek Catch-Up Podcast on Facebook and YouTube, at Geek Catch-Up Pod on Instagram and Twitter, links to all of which can be found in the show notes below and on our website, geekcatchuppodcast.com. If you'd like to support the shoe, there's even links to our Square Shop where you can find official GK merchandise like shirts and stickers. And Patreon if extra content is your thing. Above all, though, the absolute best thing you can do is spread the love for the world of geekery by sharing the Geek Catch-Up podcast with your friends and family. Now get ready to enjoy today's show, and as always, remember to to stay stay saucy. saucy. If it's nerdy, we're into it. Gaming, movies, television, wrestling, comics, whatever. We are Kyle Eckert and Chris Hack, two lifelong friends with a passion for the world of geekery. And this is the Geek Catch-Up Podcast. What's good, Geek Catch-Up family? I'm Chris Heck. And I'm Kyle Eckerd. The 2021 holiday gaming season is upon us, and for Chapter 45, we are chatting about Nintendo's most recent first-party release, Metroid Dread. The Metroid franchise is one of the beloved Nintendo series that dates its origins back to 1986, when the self-titled Metroid was released as a 2D platformer for Nintendo's family computer system, a.k.a. the Famicom, and a year later the game was released for the NES in North America. The game put players in control of infamous intergalactic bounty hunter Samus Aran, a mech warrior type hero that uses various suit powers to fight space pirates and their attempts to utilize the powers of the Metroid parasites. Immediately, Metroid gained notoriety as a quality platforming shooter with a mysterious story, non-linear format, and a difficult challenge. Over the years, the original Metroid and its SNES follow-up Super Metroid racked up numerous accolades, including Super Metroid being named the best game ever in 2001 by Electronic Gaming Monthly. And then by 2012, according to Wikipedia... The franchise had actually sold over 17 million copies worldwide with Super Metroid, Metroid Fusion, Metroid Prime, and Metroid Prime 3 all selling more than 1 million each. All in all, there are now 11 entries into the Metroid series with Metroid Dread released on the Nintendo Switch last week on October 8th. Dread is a direct sequel to 2002's Metroid Fusion, which was for the Game Boy Advance, And it saw Samus explore planet SR388 when she is attacked and infected by the X-Parasite. Ultimately, Samus escapes and destroys the planet, but shortly after, she learns that there may be X-Parasites on planet ZDR. So that means in Dread, the player is dropped in right as Samus arrives. And here in a bit, we're going to dive into our thoughts on things like the gameplay, story, and sauciness... But before we do that, we want to share a few thoughts on our personal history with the Metroid franchise, especially given that it was born in the same year that we were. So Kyle, how familiar are you with Samus and her fight against the Metroids? 
So oddly enough, despite this being the very first Metroid game that I've ever actually played. Ooh, wow. I'm very familiar with Samus and her fight against the Metroids because she's such an infamous character in all sorts of games, like, you know, going outside of the Metroid series, thinking specifically of Super Smash Bros. Like, everybody seems to know Samus. And so while I might not be as familiar with the actual series and that history and backstory, uh, I am very familiar with her as a character. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of wild to me, too, that I have no history playing Metroid games because it seems like one of those games that I absolutely would have played as a kid or like played with my brother, which is mainly how I played video games as a small child, like he was the first player he was the older brother <laughs> he had the controller and then i was basically his reel i'd sit there and i was the goose to his maverick and i would sit there and tell him like what was what and where to go and strategize and then he would execute uh and it just seems like it would have been one of those games as like a puzzler you know platformer non-linear you got to remember where you're going you got to go pick up this you got to go pick up that you got to double back like that seems ideal to have a younger brother next to you helping you along. Sure. But we never played it. You know, we had an NES, we had an SNES, but Metroid completely missed us. Yeah, well, I think in some ways it's a little bit more of a niche game. And you think, like you've mentioned before, that the majority of the games that you all had in your household were sports games. Yeah. And if you look at the history of the franchise, Metroid came out for NES, Super Metroid for the SNES, and then there was a pretty long gap, you know, pretty much the rest of the 90s and into the early 2000s before they really came back and started making Metroid games again. So it is a little weird because she's so iconic and the franchise is so iconic, but, you know, I think it's probably pretty easy to see how it just passed you by almost, you know? (laughs) Just passed us by, yeah. And to your point, like, I don't recall there being a 64 game. Mm, I don't think so, no. Well, it wouldn't have mattered because I didn't have a 64 and I didn't have a GameCube and I didn't ever have a Nintendo DS. Like, so by the time that we got the PlayStation 1 and the PlayStation 2 in my household and I started to get to play the games that I wanted to play, like, we didn't have the right system to play Metroid. So it would have never happened. Yeah. But I just, I had a chuckle to myself when I really started to think about my, my personal history with Metroid And it hit me that, yeah, this is the first time I've ever played a Metroid game, like, sought it out. Like, sure, yeah, you you get an emulator, and you throw Metroid on, and you bop around for a little bit. But I've never committed to, like, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to play this game, start to finish, and I'm going to beat it. That has never happened before with Until Dread. So it's been pretty cool to kind of get my hands on it and have this be the very first installment uh, that I get to try out. But that that is my history. I I think you have a a deeper history with this game. A little bit, not crazy deep, but I do want to call out just kind of to your original point real quick before I share my side is that I do think that it is just a testament to Nintendo and how good they are at creating iconic characters and also the marketing. Yeah. Because I think Samus is kind of in the same box as Star Fox. And we talked about this a little bit before, where, like, not everybody has played Star Fox. Like, not everybody may 100% know what that character is, but, like, most people can pick him out. Yeah, And, you know, he was in 
Smash Brothers and some other things as well, but like they just do so well with creating these iconic characters that just stand out. You know it's a Nintendo, you know who it is. So I just think it's it's just really a good call out there to what you were saying earlier about never playing them, totally know who she is. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Well, one would say like Smash Bros. I have played as Samus in Smash Bros. more times than I've ever tried to pick up a Metroid game. Sure, yeah. You know, and it, yeah, but you're right. Nintendo does a fantastic job of creating characters that you can get attached to and then finding ways to fit them into pop culture or other games to make you, you know, want to know who they are, learn their backstory, look them up on Wikipedia and such like that. Yeah. Fun factoid, I did see while I was doing some research for our our chapter here that there was actually almost a Metroid TV show, like an animated TV show. I think they ran through a pilot. It never quite got picked up, but like it seemed like at one point maybe they were really getting behind a bigger push. Yeah. And then and then maybe it just didn't work out. Some of the themes in Metroid are a little darker, a little bit more horror. And so, you know, maybe that just kind of goes to a more mature audience than t- most Nintendo fan bases um, or like target market, I guess. Yeah. But either way, I just thought it was kind of interesting, really, how big it's gotten for her, despite the games being a little bit more uh, niche. For sure, for sure. Guinness Book of World Records Gamers Edition voted Samus as the 14th top video game character of all time. Wow. Yeah, that, that right there says it all. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So for me, I think what's kind of interesting, and I know I talk about this all the time, but Super Metroid really is on the short list of the games that I remember from my grandfather at like the very beginning of me hanging out and like just sitting there watching him play video games. And, you know, I've got the, the tattoo of the Samus helmet, you know, on my tribute to my grandfather for a reason. And it was because, you know, at that time, he was just playing Super Metroid a lot. He was working through it. And I just remember it was so above my skill level as a kid. So, like, when <laughs> yeah. I did get to the point where I had my own file when I was playing, like, it kicked my butt up and down. I never got very far. Yeah. And and never really played much more beyond that until Metroid Prime came out. And I didn't have a GameCube, but I think a college roommate I had, or you know, at some point I got my hands on Metroid Prime and got to play through that and enjoyed it. But other than that, like, same to your point, didn't have the handhelds, didn't have GameCube, didn't have a Wii, and so I missed out on a lot of those core games that came out in the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's funny you say that it was above your skill level at the time, and there were parts, not to get too far into this game, but there were parts of this game that I've played so far that I'm like, this may be too high for my skill level now. (laughs) Like, it's some tough spots. Yeah, it's definitely got some tough spots. It, it I, I called it challenging, but not quite frustrating. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Like, it's still, it doesn't make you want to, like, rage quit and walk away. Right, exactly. Yeah. And there's definitely some, some games, you know, especially, like, recently, like Cuphead and stuff that were the 2D, 2D, you know, same style that were crazy frustrating at times. And I didn't quite get there with this, but yeah, we'll, we'll probably jump into that when we get into some of the gameplay and, and items that we're going to break down here in a bit. Well, yeah, I think you're right. We'll get to gameplay here in a bit, but let's, we'll go ahead and start talking about Metroid Dread as the game itself. And 
For anyone that's ever listened to us break down a game before, you know that we use the Geek Catch-Up rating system that is gameplay, story, technical performance, graphics and sound, and then, of course, our special X-Factor sauciness. We're going to use that as our platform here today to kind of talk about Metroid Dread, but for at least from my side, I was not able to beat it, so I didn't feel like I could give it a proper rating, but we're still going to use that as a basis. So we'll step in here with category number one, that being story. And we'll take a take a look at the story of Metroid Dread. Chris, you, you touched on a lot of it in the intro there, kind of as a direct sequel from the, the older game. Uh, how did you feel coming into this? It really did. It dropped you right where that other one left off. And I know that we didn't play the other one, but as a story, as a whole, as a game, were you, were you vibing on it? Yeah, I definitely liked it. I went and I looked up the story of Fusion just because of that, not having played it and had read like it wasn't a secret that it is a direct sequel. So I did go and get caught up as far as what happened before starting to play this one. And I did like that. I like that it kind of came straight out of that game. Yeah. And you pretty much go right into the new planet, you know, get a couple of cut scenes and then you were right to kind of this mysterious action you don't know what happened to, to samus when you arrived yeah you lose all your powers so now you're on this adventure to repower up but then also get back to your ship on the surface and i thought that that was a pretty cool you know way to just jump right into it and give a little bit of a twist obviously in the old ones you're always kind of looking for those power-ups as you go but you know you kind of get that blimp of her being fully powered at the beginning and then they pull it all the way from you and they pulled it away. It made me think of God of War. Like sure, every time yeah. you start a new God of War, you know that you ended the last one like totally powered up. Right. And they find a way to drag you through the river of the dead or something and strip you of all your powers. But I enjoyed that the beginning of this game because like you touched on earlier, it, it's a mysterious story. And I thought dropping you in with very little context of the previous of fusion was right on par with what Metroid kind of like does. Yeah. They they're not it, it seemed almost paper thin, mm-hmm. but it did that on purpose. It didn't want to give you anything. It, it just kind of like let things unfold and as you get to the little network markers and you talk to Adam, like he'll fill in some gaps right. here and there yep. to let you know what's going on and what your motivation could be. And, you know, obviously you've got the final mission to get back to the shuttle. But then as you progress, they'll also say, oh, OK, well, now that you found this and this, you know, there's a secondary objective to obtain this. And it slowly pieces together that shattered story, which like I think, you know, they did that with not only with Samus's suit, but with the story overall. Like there was just so much mystery. You had to find like, OK, I found this puzzle piece and then I found that puzzle piece. All right. Well, let me lay them down in front of each other and see what I've got. Exactly. And that's that's how it all started to feed together, which I thought was pretty cool and a, a fun way to tell the story. Yeah, I mean, and ultimately the story in all Metroid games is pretty straightforward. You know, it's kill Metroids, kill Parasite X, destroy all traces, you know? Yeah. yeah. And and that is still, you know, very much the premise here. But I did think, yeah, with the uh, introduction of some of the characters, you know, we get some information on the Chozo tribes that are really tied back to the creation of the Metroids. So we got some an introduction into long history of the lore. And so I really liked all of that. I thought it was interweaved nicely between the gameplay and when they would give you those nuggets of information. 
But ultimately, yeah, I mean, you're pretty much dropped in and the world's very ominous, uh, really, really creepy music. And, you know, you have to kind of make your way through without any direction. Yeah. And a lot of it, especially at the beginning, probably the first two thirds of the game are kind of a non-linear zigzag from area to area bouncing back and forth. And so I thought that it was all done really well. Oh, th- there was definitely some moments where I was like, well, do I need to go switch areas? Like, it, where's <laughs> the story supposed to progress from here? Yeah. Uh, which obviously is the point. Like, they want you to get a little lost. They want you. I think I sent you a text with like a, the little like, like throw my arms up emoji. <laughs> like, I I got a little lost, but that's Metroid, right? Yeah. No, but I, I to to double back a little bit, I, I totally agree from where I am in the game which is about the halfway mark. I just unlocked the fifth area, but it's right at the beginning. So you get go into it and you get a little cutscene. You get that backstory from Quiet Robe right. on the, to the Chozo tribes and who you're fighting and why you're fighting them. And that was like kind of the moment that, and I'm glad I got there before we were able to record because prior to that, I was like, man, this is paper thin. <laughs> and like, I was getting a little frustrated by it and i'm like maybe i'm missing some things because i've never played a metroid before maybe i should be picking up on little nuggets of the history that i just i don't understand having never played them right and then when they hit me with that cutscene and really pieced it all together like what i had spent the past five six hours doing i was like okay all right this is this is sweet i'm, I'm ready to move forward see what else this thing is going to throw at me in the way of bosses how those bosses tie into the story. Uh, you get the backstory on the little Emmy robots, like which that totally cleared up. Uh, you know, at that point, you've killed a few of them. Yeah. But you're kind of like, you know what they are and kind of what they do, but you don't understand their purpose. Right. And then when, when you finally get that purpose in the story, you're like, oh, okay, all right, this is, this is turning to be, turning out to be really juicy. Yeah, I really agree there. And I thought that the inclusion of the reason why the Emmy bots were doing what they were doing, you know, they were taken over, they were corrupted after being sent here ahead of Samus to investigate if there was Parasite X there. I thought that that all, you know, worked really well. And gosh, those fights, I know it kind of touches into gameplay, but those moments where you're dealing with the Emmys were, were masterful. And I think it ties into story here as well. So I'll say it is that, the Emmy bots are really what literally made this game embody the title dread. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I agree. I agree. When you walk into those zones, man, if you're not just heart pumping, like full tension, trying to avoid these things because they will kill you instantly. Yeah. And they did probably kill me 50 plus times. I don't even know. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, it's funny because you can, this is, definitely touching on a little bit of gameplay you can counter them can <laughs> in quotation I, what marks. i said can in quotation can marks. yeah can in quotation <laughs> marks like the first time i did it i was like oh okay that wasn't so bad and like and it was totally misleading yeah and it made me think that it was i would be able to do that little <laughs> button cut scene I'm like, oh, I've played a million Uncharted games. I know exactly how to do a button sequence. Right. Like, I can I can make this work. No, you can't. No, you can't. Like, there's, you really, you're, you're done. And you're right. Dread is a perfect word when you go into those zones and the music changes 
and the whole the visual it like the tones the colors kind of like dry out a little bit yeah and it's much more monotone and it's like the sounds like the ding 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 sounds pick up oh yeah listening to that thing chirp off your map and you're trying to figure out where to move when to move was so tense yeah at times and yeah i mean out of Literally, probably the 50-plus times they caught me and I died. I, I think I countered their attack maybe five times. Okay. You know, because it's so fast. It's so random. Like, it changes. It's not the exact same cadence every time and whatnot. And, I mean, it's a one-hit kill for those of you out there that haven't played. Like, if you get touched by these robots, they pretty much just grab you, stab you in the heart. Yeah. And you have to go back and start over. <laughs> yeah, you do get two opportunities. Yeah. You get two opportunities to block it, but both are equally hard to try to block it. Yeah, more times than not, you're just going to do the... The old Monty Pythons run away, yeah, like and just take off in any one direction. Try to zigzag and hope to God you don't end up in a dead end. Because if you end up in a dead end, you might as well just put the controller down and wait for the game over screen. Right? Yeah, like, just start <laughs> like, over. Just start over. Definitely did that a few times for sure. The last thing I think I would say about the story, since I I did get the chance to beat it, was that I really liked the payoff at the end. And I don't want to spoil anything, you know, as far as the story goes, so I'm not going to get into the details. But, you know, the game definitely gives you nothing, like you said, for the first, you know, 40-50% of it. Yeah. And then all the payoff is in the back. So it's pretty much just making you earn it. Yeah. You know, if you want to find out what's going to happen and how this story goes. But I really, really liked the reveal. I, I thought that it had one or two good moments that made me perk up and be like, oh, okay. You know, that's an interesting twist or piece of information. Yeah. And I think that it actually could help set up the future installments of the franchise. Like if they want to make another direct sequel in this style that, you know, it could really introduce maybe some new mechanics or concepts or, or whatever may be for Samus Aaron. That would be sweet. And that there's the question that you have beaten it. I have not that, that I get to ask is, do you think that a sequel is coming? I mean, the way they set it up, it wasn't a hardcore. Yes. Like there's a sequel coming. I feel like the way they set it up, though, it intrigues me enough that I would want a sequel okay, and yeah. see where the next phase of Samus goes and the Metroid line goes. What I did think was interesting, and I don't really think this is a spoiler, so I'm going to throw it out there, was that at the end, either right before the credits or just after, there was actually a screen that popped up and it was essentially a graphic for Metroid Zero Mission. Oh. And that was a, I think, another Game Boy Advanced game from back in maybe like 2004, 2005. It came out after Fusion, if I'm remembering the sequence I saw on Wikipedia earlier. So I was like, well, does that mean they're going to re-release it, remaster it? You know, what's the deal there? So I think that's intriguing. Yeah, and you're right. Metroid Zero Mission came out in 04 for the Game Boy Advance. And it definitely was after Fusion because you can unlock the one little bit I'm seeing here is you can unlock a picture gallery from Fusion in this game. So that would that would be intriguing. And it would make sense that they would continue the Metroid series, the the installments moving forward, especially with the Switch. Like it the way this game played, 
And I think we're just going to naturally segue into gameplay here because so much of this game is focused on that fluid gameplay, that side scrolling, you know, zone unlocking, map unlocking, just figuring out gameplay. And that's not even touching on the various enemies that you get to fight. But it would it would make sense that they want to set it up for future installments to keep this franchise going, especially because I imagine there's a there's a one there's a whole new generation of people that are playing. This is the first Metroid because they're young enough that the Switch may be the first Nintendo thing they've ever owned. There's also probably people like me who maybe missed the boat a little bit. And now that I'm adult or Metro was too hard when I was a kid. And now that I'm adult, I want to play it again. And I, I'm finding I like the challenge versus when you're a kid, you, d- you don't want something as challenging. Well, and it's tough because with Metroid, there's been these giant gaps at times between when they've made games. And, you know, there was it was like the first two games and there was this big gap and they had this blitz of games there in the early 2000s. And then there was this kind of gap where we hadn't gotten any Metroid standalone games for the last number of years. And I was one of the people that was really pissed off because when the Switch came out, Metroid Prime 4 was one of like the promoted, like, coming soon, going to be, you know, a flagship type game yeah. following up uh, Breath of the Wild and Super Mario Odyssey. And then they they completely canceled that. Well, they didn't cancel it. They scrapped what they had. They, like, yeah. came out with an official announcement and everything, said, we're going back to the drawing board to restart <laughs> this game. And it was such a buzzkill because that, at the time, I was like, okay, yeah, the same same sentiment. Like, I'm getting back into Metroid here with Metroid Prime 4, and then it was gone. And that was like two years ago, three years ago. Yeah, but it got canned in 19. Yeah, exactly. And then add in the fact that, you know, Fusion came out in 2002. <laughs> it's been 19 yeah. years to get this sequel. So it kind of makes it tough. Because there's almost like a generation gap yeah. in, in some of these games coming out. But I think, but that's the draw of it as well. Like, that's what you really want to play it because you don't get that many. Like, you can skip a Mario. It's definitely a good way to look at it, yeah. Yeah, like, you can skip a Mario every now and then, and you're not missing out on anything. Like, it's it's not quite like FIFA Madden level where there's a Mario every year. <laughs> right, yeah. But it's pretty close. Yeah. And you could skip a few and you're not going to miss anything in the Mario saga. But if there's only a Metroid coming out every eight years, I mean, that's Red Dead level stuff where like you're Jones. True. Yeah. You want it. By the time it comes out, you're like, I'm ready to play another Metroid. I, it definitely made me want to go back and play some of the older ones and especially Fusion, which I think is a big positive. So even if we don't get a new one, anytime soon you know between the emulators and you know the switch online store and stuff i feel like i could see myself going and picking up some of those older ones and playing through them when there's a lull between games but let's jump into gameplay here i mean really you kind of started to touch on it but it is really where the game shines the most oh for sure like in the exact thing i have is the gameplay is where it's at like one 100 like and i actually said if we were doing ratings i would give double points for gameplay there you go like it's just so the side scrolling like i said it's so fluid the weapons are cool the enemies are awesome the puzzle and the platforming is just top-notch legit it's complicated but not too complicated like i said to make you just want to like put it down or you don't feel like you need to go look up a walkthrough online like it's 
chat, like you said, challenging, but not frustrating. Yeah, I, I really liked it. I, it gave me real vibes of Super Metroid because of the fact that it was pretty much built in the same style. It just had a modern coat of paint yeah, and, you know, a fresher engine to make it have that silky smooth combat and movement. It, it just kept giving me these old school vibes. And I really liked that. You know, I kind of mentioned it last chapter with how Tales of Arise was giving me that retro vibe of being a brand new game. And so I, I, I kind of found myself, I'm like, I just need more of this. Like, I want the video yeah. game industry to do more of this, where they're not just repackaging old games, but give me, give me new games that feel like old games. I completely understand what you mean. Like, no remasters, no, you know, relaunches. You just give me that old school vibe, that, that retro vibe, but on a new story on new everything else, and I think you, you'll you sell millions. Well, and you think about just the increased hardware capabilities, and, you know, these games aren't massive game files, so, like, they can really focus in on that core gameplay, and I think that really helps, especially with a lot of Nintendo. I think that's why yeah. the games shine a lot in that area. They don't try to do too much, and, right. and so I, I really do like it. I just like having that fresh story, that fresh coat of paint. Yeah. Well, and I and I think it benefits and it, it's tough not to bleed into a couple of the other areas, but like having that side scrolling just play, it doesn't mean you have to do the high polish graphics. Right. Like you don't you don't have to do the ultra realism. Right. Beca- because you're going to deliver it in a manner in which it, it's going to be 2D to some aspect. So you can put your area of focus into where it needs to be. Yeah, exactly. And it's always gameplay. Yeah. I mean, but that's isn't that the rub when it comes to video games like man, I you, like you said with Tales to Arise, like you can have low quality graphics, but if that gameplay is worth it, if it's a mechanic that's super cool, like your game is going to sell. Look at any number of indie games that just blow you away. It's true. And it's because the gameplay is there. The mechanics, they have a smart mechanic or a really quality story. And people don't mind when it's not that ultra realistic fan or like a FIFA look. Like, yeah. I don't want to shit on FIFA because I'm enjoying FIFA right now. But like, yeah, not not everything needs that. Well, and I totally agree, and I think that we're seeing that throughout the industry, too, because there's always been a good indie market and this and that, but I feel like there's almost been this revival of a little bit more high-profile you know, than your average indie games, like bigger studios doing quote-unquote indie games or games that are in that 2D, pixelated, you know, side-scrolling manner. Where it almost seems like we're starting to get more of those than we ever have, and there's a love for it, you know, like we we played lost castle, whatever, like it doesn't matter. The graphics can literally still be eight bit, (laughs) but if that game is there and the gameplay is there, that is what the core is. And so I, I I really think that that is what makes this game. So, so special. It is, you know, the, the main thing, if you just want to run around with some cool abilities and just blow shit up, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. And especially when you start to get those abilities and and you do that double back, Mm -hmm. you can just run around. And I mean, it it almost, I makes me think of like what we always dreamed of being a Jedi would be like, (laughs) like if I had a lightsaber and I could just kind of like 
chop stuff, like run through and just just take things out, like clip after clip after clip. Like this game gives that to you, especially when you start to level up and you double back. Yeah, you're high tech. And, you know, mentioning the power ups, I guess we should call it out here, but there's probably about a dozen or so power ups that you can get for Samus. There's three suits to collect. I thought that it was really nice because each felt unique and each had a useful purpose. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've got multiple power beam upgrades. Like, I think towards the end, you actually get one that will shoot through the walls. Nice. So, to your point about just running through and, like, just wrecking everything, like, you can pretty much, like, at that point, start indiscriminately just shooting and you'll start <laughs> blowing everything up, which is awesome. Multiple missile types. You get the classic morph ball that everybody's familiar with. You get morph ball bomb types. A speed boost, phantom cloaking to make you invisible, um, an electrified spin boost. I mean, you get a lot of different power-ups. And I think that another aspect of the gameplay, you know, the other side of the coin to combat, is that Metroid Dread really does well at making you use all of the different power-ups that you get and kind of mastering them because you will need pretty much all of them to beat the bosses and, and things like that and get through the more challenging parts of the game. Oh, I, I totally agree. Like even where I am in the game. So you and I chatted about it and I've seen a couple people post about it, like crade or crad, yeah. I don't, however, you know, the crade yeah. monster. Yeah. The crade monster. When I got to that boss battle, it, it was very evident, like, okay, man, you need to execute on every single ability oh, yeah. that you have been given so far. Like, you need to use the missiles. You need to use the charge shot. You need to use the triple shot and the slide underneath. Like, you might need to even turn into a ball to do a couple of evasive maneuvers. Like, <laughs> it was full on. And, like, the, the spider magnet, like, that came into play because you had to rise up to right. shoot the monster in the face. Yeah, that's true. And you had to jump off and then reattach to it if you wanted to dodge appropriately like and that is really cool because it does all of those really well and the button layout is also masterfully done that it makes it easy to go from one to the other especially if you're trying to speed speed run it but when you're in those boss fights you don't get bogged down with clunkiness right yeah like yeah like you can switch from ball to stand back up to charge shot to jumping to dip dodge you know (laughs) duck and dodge all that good stuff in those battles when you need them yeah and it was kind of cool because it just escalates as you go from those earlier bosses like Kraid all the way up through you know the final boss and so i thought that that was a good way to just continually improve your skills so you know even though the final boss and some of the mini bosses ahead of that were pretty difficult you know, by the time I got there, I was feeling really fluid yeah. with all of the different abilities. And I didn't unlock every single, you know, missile upgrade and all of the secrets that you can get. Like, I didn't have all the energy tanks, didn't have all the power bombs, but I had a pretty good bit. I think I had eight energy tanks, 165 missiles. I had all of the major upgrades because you pretty much will get all of those as you move through. Yeah. You might be able to skip some if you wanted to, but for the most part, it seemed like that was the one kind of thing that turned out linear was that it actually was going to push you around and get everything. But, you know, I was still able to get through the final boss just because I felt like I kind of started to master the abilities. Yeah, I would be really impressed to see somebody speed run it without getting hit. 
Like, <laughs> and I know that it's already out there. Probably, Somebody yeah. has already done it and posted it on YouTube, and I just need to go look for it. But I would love to see it because I think with the various abilities, that they would just look really cool to to see somebody make that run, not get hit, and and watch them, you know, jump here to do a long fall into a roll, then pop up, shoot two enemies, slide under something else. Like I think that would be a really fun watch. Yeah, on, on like YouTube one day. Well, especially because the bosses were were solid, even the mini bosses, and there's a lot of them throughout the whole game. But yeah, to that point, like they are all tough fights. They're nonstop, you know, fast paced action from moment one. You've got tons of dodging, you know, like you said, dodging and weaving and all of that. But you also have to pick your moments to attack kind of carefully. Oh yeah, and then there's those opportunities built in to get the quick time events to drop a ton of damage. So. They were very entertaining boss fights, even though probably took me five to ten to beat most of them. Five to ten tries. Yeah, yeah, same here. Like, I died. I don't, there wasn't a single boss fight that I didn't die at least once. Like, maybe the first one, if I had to really go back and remember it, is a possibility that I beat it on the first try, but odds are I didn't. Right. But yeah, yeah, you're totally right. Like, there's, you need to pick your moments. I'm thinking specifically with the great monster in my experience. My first couple runs, I was just being too aggressive. Mm, yeah. And and I realized, oh, man, you you can't just unload a bunch of missiles out the gate. You actually need to pick your spots, fire two. It may take you a little longer to beat this monster, but you're going to you need to not be so aggressive on stage one to reserve health because you definitely need it on stage two. Yeah. Pro tip out there that we'll give you is that most of the bosses have multiple stages that get harder as you go. Yeah. But what I found was very helpful after I kind of learned what was going on in those first couple of fights, like really after, I think Kraid was the second boss. So like after that, I actually was going into the first fight or two and almost not even shooting. My pro tip would be simply go in. It did have some repeatable patterns in a lot of the bosses. And so if you just kind of took your time and just dodged them and kind of saw what was going on, I started to kind of shave the number of attempts it was taking me to get through them because I was I was starting to almost take no damage. Like, I was able to dodge most everything at that point. Yeah. And it was just a matter of getting those hits off with the guns and the missiles. Look at you, you Dark Souls veteran. You. <laughs> <laughs> that definitely probably came from that, yeah. That's true. So, yeah, the last thing I had here before we move on is that I did want to call out because it was funny – playing this game and talking about doing this chapter, a old high school friend of ours, David actually reached out to me randomly, just got some text messages and I appreciated getting a chance to catch up with him a little bit over that. But we were talking about Metroid dread because he had beaten it, I guess this week as well. And I thought he made a great point and I kind of lumped it in here to gameplay, but it really probably fits more into like level design. Okay. But you know, I'm going to throw it out here And I didn't think about it while I was playing it, but after he said it, I was really thinking about it. I was kind of chewing on it and had to completely agree, but his quote was, the only thing I wish they had done different was to improve the distinctions between the environments. A lot of them feel the same, especially the Emmy zones. Mm. And and that is true. I mean, ZDR definitely has a vibe, you know? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And, And so some of the similarity between areas makes sense, but outside of 
some elemental rooms they bring in and you know you get into some water levels and stuff which was cool a lot of the actual design the a lot of black bricks and stuff like that was very similar and i thought that that was a fair point yeah i now that you've said it it is very fair like and i think one could say that it's a planet so naturally the whole planet's going to be similar but that is a very easy knock to make like it's because it's true it's it's definitely accurate the enemies kind of all look similar even when you get to the later levels right and then maybe you get like an upgraded little pterodactyl thing coming at you different looks same attack (laughs) different looks yeah exactly different looks same attack maybe two extra hits to kill it uh and then it's true what's comes to mind hearing this is actually the like lava levels the that you need the thermal suit versus like the cold levels and they're almost identical right it's just, the only thing that's different it's hot and cold but it affects you in the same manner you everything is the same it, the the noises are the same the damage you take is the same the only difference is there's a a blue tint right. versus a, a red tint <laughs> yeah yeah and so i i, I I I really wasn't paying attention to it when I was playing through, and I did like some of how the elements mixed it up. The water was probably the best. Yeah. When you get into the water and it slows you down and it impacts your movement and had some things like that, the the tint that it put on you when you're actually submerged, like I thought all of that was well done, but it was a fair criticism. He, He went on to talk about how he thought that Fusion and even like Super Metroid actually had some of the better area diversity throughout the game and this one fell a little bit more flat the other thing i I put down here that i thought was interesting just because we didn't play fusion but he said that he thought fusion did the horror side of the metroid franchise better than dread Ooh, okay and see that is very appealing Mm -hmm. because like we talked about in those emmy zones that's one of the best parts like that that tenseness your you know heart skipping a beat your you feel your back and your chest tighten up as you're going through it yeah like that's that would be cool that that's very unique for that game that i i would like to experience more of right and well and I, that brings me to the question i had for you knowing that you hadn't played many metroid games before also knowing that you're on record as being a preferer of non super difficult games I also know that you're not typically like a horror movie guy and (laughs) things like that. So I was actually going into this kind of curious how you were going to come out of this, being that Metroid has a lot of elements of things you don't typically like. Yeah. So so I just wanted to say, because where are you right now as far as that goes? Like, is it turning you off, turning you on, maybe somewhere in the middle? Uh, Full disclosure, up until I hit that cutscene in the middle... I was actually like, man, am I just the odd duck that's not enjoying Metroid? <laughs> like, and I'll admit it, I was not having a good time. I was not like it was. Uh, you can call me a bad gamer because I actually, you know, I've, I've joked about in this past. I have these moments with video games where I'm like, am I just bad at video games despite <laughs> having played them for 25 plus years? You know, 30 plus years, I'm just somehow still bad at video games. Like, what am I doing there were these with my moments. Life? Yeah, and it was just like, but I was, what kept me going was those, like, run-and-gun moments where I was just having a lot of fun. Uh, and, yeah, I had to slow, I had to slow myself down because I, I like to speed run. Yeah. I like to play Mario, you know, that that's my, my jam with Super Mario games is I speed run. I just go, let's go, 
let's make some crazy jumps. Let's have some fun moments. If you die, you die. Yeah. And so, yeah, full disclosure, I was not enjoying a lot of this game up until about today where I finally got to put a long session in. Okay. Because prior, I had only had about 45 minutes to an hour per session. I hadn't really been able to commit to just, hey, I'm going to sit down and this is what I'm going to do for the next two hours, two and a half hours. And I finally got that today. And that's when it really started to like get its hooks into me. I'm like, all right, I'm enjoying a little more. It gave me a bit more into the story. I beat that fucking Kraid monster <laughs> like that. You know, I had twice because I had to beat it that's twice. Right, because yeah. there's there's a, there's a story behind that where my save file didn't come through. And when I texted you that one, I was like, this is a day ruiner because I actually thought for a moment it was going to be the end. And I was like, how am I going to get through this chapter? Because I wasn't really enjoying this with the exception of a handful of things. And then I beat it. I, you know, I beat the monster again and I moved on. I got that cutscene after a short time after that. And I was like, okay, I'll play the back half of this game and see where it goes. Yeah. But yeah, you, you kind of nailed it without us talking about it. Like it had all the aspects that I'm not a big fan of. It was making me not enjoy it, but then it gave me that hook. And now I, I think I am going to enjoy it in the long run. That's super interesting. I mean, it's it's cool to hear. When I hit that first Emmy zone and really kind of got the vibe of what was going on there, because I'm pretty sure the Emmys were unique to this game. Yeah. Like, it's not like a Metroid trope or, or key thing that they do. I was like, Kyle's going to hate this game. Like, <laughs> I was literally like cringing on the inside for you. I was like, this is... <laughs> This is not yeah. going to go well. <laughs> and they were frustrating. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say that the Emmy zones weren't a little frustrating, like to some extent. But, you know, you learn and you adapt and like, but yeah, there, there was a moment where I just kept seeing group chats blow up or discord chats blow up talking about how amazing it is. You're seeing posts on it and social media. Everybody's gushing and I'm sitting here playing it like. Oh, man, how am I going to go into this and slam this game? Like, and I didn't know. And I honestly, I didn't know how I was going to do it. And I'm glad that today turned it around for me because that or a lot of people were going to come at me really hard and be like, how could you possibly say this game is terrible? Like, <laughs> you, you just suck at video games. That's the problem. <laughs> right. No, no. I mean, not not everything's for everybody, you know, so. Yeah, I, I was that was really interested, though, just to see where you were going to land on that, especially seeing how the game was. But but all in all, we could rave for probably another hour simply on the gameplay here. And yeah, especially if I were to break down everything that happened a little bit later, because I, I felt like it just got better and better. So but let's jump on over here to technical performance. And I'll just kind of call it out, really, because I didn't have too much here. I had zero issues. You know, Nintendo's pretty solid about their performance most of the time. No crashes, no hitches, whatever. But you alluded to it just a minute ago. You had a little bit of a hiccup. So I'll let you take technical performance here. I had one. Well, I guess I had two things because the save the save thing file, and that's the big one, and I'll get to it. The other one that I I can't even say is... Maybe the load times were a little suspect, like especially in the teleporter. Okay. Like I I think when you needed to teleport, that was like maybe a little bit of a longer load time. Now, of course, I'm coming from having just played Kina on the PlayStation 5, which is loading in like five seconds. Right, right. You know, so uh, but I but overall, I think everything else was really solid. The only hiccup I had was this random save file where. I played a decent amount, 
I know I hit several save points because it's this the natural progression. And then I woke up today and I went to play it and it had reverted back to a previous save point. And like mm. I said, I had to beat the Kraid monster twice. Heartbreaking. And that was, yeah, it was a day ruiner. <laughs> I texted you. I said, this is a GD day ruiner right here. Because uh, I, I, I wanted to get a long playthrough in. And if I've got to do this boss battle up front. Uh, but then that that fixed itself. As soon as I got through, I had a save point, turned it off, turned it back on. Wasn't an issue again. So I don't know what happened. It's really odd. It's really odd. And I can't even replicate it. And so I, I don't even want to knock it. I, I'll, I'll share it because it did happen. But I'm not, I'm not, it's a fluke. Anomaly. You know, like you said, yeah. it's an anomaly. It, it, Nintendo does not have technical performance issues, historically speaking. They do not. And like I said, other than the weird loading time prior to the save thing, I had no knocks on this in technical performance at all. It was super smooth, especially in a couple of the areas where the camera pans out and then like, so you get the wide shot of the, of the arena and then it comes back in as you go through the next door. Like that was all, you know, silky smooth. So it was, it was just really solid. And, you know, as we said, all throughout the gameplay, it was butter. And the whole thing was just butter and amazing. So no knocks. Yeah. I think the one other thing that comes to mind as you were saying that was just, it was kind of impressive how you're doing so much with Samus. You're going from spin boost to morph ball to dropping a bomb to missiles. You know, you're just doing all of these things back to back to back. And never once do you really get locked up. Like I remember in Super Metroid, if you went into the morph ball, sometimes it was hard to get out of the morph ball. You know, yeah. <laughs> and, like you would die. And here with it being like a button tap and everything, like I felt like just everything one to the other was really smooth and and i i think i would attribute that to just the technical performance of the engine and the design and all of that for sure and honestly that's probably why this has changed my mind on the game like that the technical performance and how smooth it has been if this game had been clunky in any way yeah then that really would have shut it down for me because of all those other aspects that you pointed out that like historically i do not like yeah but I do like side scrollers and I do like platformers. And so the technical performance in all of those areas is what I can focus on and really enjoy the game. Yeah. Clunkiness would have taken it into the frustration level. Oh yeah. It would have gone beyond challenging and into frustrating if there was, you know, technical issues that were keeping you from beating some of these bosses. For sure. Well, and I, I complain about it all the time. I think I, I said it with Ghosts and Goblins. I said it with definitely with Metal Slug. Hitboxes. Right, yeah. Bad hitboxes drive me insane. And I can't say that this game has them. Mm-mm. Like, it's accurate. I, I've never once gotten hit and felt like I got cheated. Right, right. Like, every time it's like, nope, I got hit. I did not dodge that. Though what's really annoying is that you if you get hurt if you touch egg anything. You know, I don't know if you've noticed that, but like even yeah, some boss yeah. fights, the walls become essentially lava. And if you just bump into the wall while you're bouncing around, you take damage. And you're just like, what the hell, man? <laughs> yeah. And uh, taking damage is one of those things where I don't have a good grasp on how much damage is going to be taken per hit. Oh, it's a lot. Yeah, it, it is. But that's what I mean. It's a lot. <laughs> But I don't know. It's like it feels like the generic enemy shooting a one little pea at me 
takes the same amount of damage that a boss firing a fireball at me yeah. takes. Sometimes and they so did, there's, yeah. There's no gauge for that. And sometimes that was a little frustrating. But once again, that's not like that's just how the game is built. Right. And I thought I actually thought to myself, oh, it'd be nice instead of like a hundred, you know, a meter, hundred meter HP, I just had like five hits and then I was dead. Yeah, because I mean that's kind of how it plays out, you know, is is like a hit per meter bar. And so you get six hits or seven hits, depending whatever you have. Yeah. I, every now and then something would be a portion of that that hundred point bar, but most boss fights especially was like if it hits you, you were losing a whole bar. Yeah, you're you're losing and it's the number aspect. It's the fact that it's putting the the ninety nine, the numerical value on it. And and you're like, oh I get hit and it took me down to 63 and then i got hit again but it only took me to 40 and then you're like okay i maybe i can take two more hits and you get hit one more time and you're dead right and it's like yeah like that that's a little frustrating but (laughs) i don't know that's probably that's metroid and i'm just not used to it it's true yeah i mean they're just meant to be tougher games so i think they built that in just wait till you get to the double robot Chozo bosses later. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm thinking, <laughs> talk to me, talk to me in six more hours of gameplay right, when I'm at yeah. the final boss. And I'm still like, oh, this game's fun. <laughs> I'm like, no. Because where I'm at right now, I'm like, I think I would replay it. I think, I think I would replay it. And now by the end, I'm going to be like, I'm never playing this fucking video game ever again. <laughs> <laughs> well, those have a hard mode that you unlock at the end. So that, that could be interesting for a replay. Pass. anyways anyways moving on here let's go over to graphics and sound so where did you have this on that i thought the graphics were pretty on point for a switch title you know like we alluded to nintendo never tries to go outside of its comfort zone when it comes to graphics and so they they knew what they were going for and they they went for it i think maybe you could have hoped for a little more in that department with the name recognition being a Metroid game and we are in the next gen era, $60 price tag, but sure. All in all, you can't get too upset because that gameplay is there. Um, so that's kind of how I felt about graphics. Like maybe I could have wanted a little more, but I'm not hundred percent sure what I've wanted because I, the 2d aspect limits. And I like the fact that it's a 2d side scrolling game. Well, and it wasn't quite 2d. Like it was mostly 2D. Most, but yeah. I actually kind of gave it the extra, the extra nod here because I thought that it was a nice touch that there was like Samus was more 3D. Yeah, and the bosses were more 3D, and so you kind of had this blend, and like even some of the enemies at times felt like, especially the flying enemies and stuff, felt a little bit more 3D. Yeah. So it wasn't like an optical illusion, but it was almost like they kind of blended the two worlds, in my opinion, you know, and I I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it makes me think of like the modern Street Fighters, Mm -hmm. where it's a 3D character on a 2D background. Exactly. Yeah. Like, so you you get the depth, but you're not moving, you're not moving front to back. The depth is exactly what I thought that really helped it there. And it felt like you were this little character running around. Um, I thought the music was pretty good, you know, and pretty on brand as far as what they were going for. Like mostly eerie, kind of picked up at times in some of the harder fights or more intense moments. But, you know, I thought that that was pretty good of kind of helping build that drama, that suspense, you know, going into like the Emmy zones, like we mentioned, and the sounds that were coming from that thing. Like it, I thought it really helped the ambiance. 
No, I would agree, especially the Emmy zones, which is more of a lack of sound. True. Like, and it just almost just puts that negative sound out there, and that creates just as much of an energy and an emotion than a loud, you know, bumping soundtrack like Metal Slug had. Uh, and I think also the the one sound that I wanted to point out that I thought like it gets me every time is the boot up noise when you first load into a map, mm. and it's that 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 do 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 you know like yeah yeah in that one every time I boot up I'm like man that is good yeah. like that's that is text tone good <laughs> right. And to me, the, the last thing I had for graphics and sound is I thought actually what really, really shined were the sounds of Samus. Yeah. Because of all of the jumping from ability to ability and just everything that's going on, I thought what made it so immersive, besides being so silky smooth, was the fact that every time you did something, you heard that sound effect that was associated with it. So, I mean, it was just, it kind of had that believable feel. It wasn't like, Oh, you're doing so much that that the phase shift sound doesn't hit because you're just like going straight from one thing into blasting. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much like one to the other. As you do it, you get those unique sounds like you are really there and doing it. Yeah. And it gives you that, you know, exoskeleton bounty hunter suit. Right. Exactly. Like, you know, you think of Iron Man and kind of the mm-hmm. and the various boosters, like you get all of that there and it. It, it, it immersive. I think I think you just said it. it's a good way of putting it. Like it puts you in the suit, puts you in that mode, uh, and you're you're all in. You are Samus. I still want to know how she fits in the morph ball. Maybe that's a topic for a different day. But that still just blows my mind. Yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> yeah. You you never know. Okay, well and, and with that, <laughs> yeah yeah. Who knows? Who knows? It's I can't explain it. Can't explain it. Just. Yoga, Pilates, who knows? I don't know. World class contortionist. <laughs> World class contortionist. There it is. <laughs> before she was a Galactic Federation soldier, before she was a bounty hunter, she was a three ring circus performer, <laughs> contortionist. Best in the galaxy. Best in the galaxy. There it is. There's, see, there's a mysterious backstory. You know, originally the fans had to make a lot of it up. So that's what we're going with now. Samus Aaron was a world class contortionist. recruited by the federation to fight space pirates this is what it is now this is what it is total badass yeah (laughs) cannon boom yeah i guess they've never explained it like for real they've never explained the morph ball that's just like a fan lore thing Oh, I don't know. I just, it cracks me up every time. It always has, you know, the idea of like this full grown adult woman just turning into like a soccer ball. <laughs> and like, moving yeah. around, you know? And moving around. And sometimes jumping. And sometimes, or laying a bomb. Maybe she's got pin particles. Maybe. Shrinking yeah. Down. And it's like a, it shrinks down and it's like a hamster wheel. Yeah. She's actually like, running in it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that more than I like contortionist in Three Ring Circus. It is really, it just, it's pin particles. She shrinks down. It's like a hamster ball situation. She's like a variant <laughs> of the wasp. <laughs> Why not? That works too. What if? <laughs> what if? Yeah. Time, space, <laughs> reality is a prism. <laughs> <laughs> it all fits together. It's one universe. Anyways, anyways. Well, the last one we had here to wrap up was sauciness. And if you listen to any of our game reviews before, you know that sauciness is our unique specific category where we typically are looking at 
did it do it for us? You know, is it good enough to maybe get the replay value, come back to all of that? You know, did it just push all of your buttons? So, Kyle, I know we kind of touched on some of it, but if we were talking sauciness, uh, where is Metroid Dread falling in for you? I'm going to say that I think it has sauciness. I'm not 100% sure. I can't say until I beat it. Okay. And I, yeah. and I know that maybe that's a bit of a cop-out, but it, it's where I'm at. It's where I'm at in the game. I'm only about halfway through. It just picked up. I openly said I wasn't enjoying it, and then it I, I started to get those nuggets of the story and a couple more power-ups and beat a couple bosses, got some confidence, and it, that's when it started to really be like, okay, it has that replayability, like I said. And that's what I contribute to sauciness is, am I going to play this again in the future? Does this make me want to go play the other games in the series? And as of right now, after all these pickups, I think so. But I'm also leaving it out there that I could beat the game and be like, ah, maybe I'm never going to play this one again because at the end of the day, I just got too frustrated. Yeah, that, I think that's totally fair. I felt like it had a pretty good amount of sauciness. I mean, I was definitely digging it from start to finish. And it kind of, as I said before, awoke this desire in me to maybe go back and spend some time with some of those games that I haven't played yet in the series. And so, you know, I definitely feel like I'm going to play Fusion at some point. Yeah, That's almost a lock no matter what at this point. But um, it might not be right away, but I only got like 60% of the secrets you know, all of the missile unlocks and power unlocks. Like, I didn't get everything before I beat it. And so I, I kind of see myself at some point, maybe not this year or next year, but at some point throwing it back on, maybe jumping in on hard mode yeah. and trying to do more of that complete run now that I've got kind of the feel of where to go, what what to expect. You know, I feel like even if the difficulty is a little bit harder, just no in Metroid knowing is half the battle. Right. As far as getting around the map and, you know, how it hides the secret areas and stuff like that. So to me, maybe not a regular replay, but I feel like there'll be a replay at some point. So I I, I feel it's pretty saucy. Yeah, there you go. That that's pretty fair. That's pretty fair. Well, as as we kind of close out here, like I said, normally we do ratings. I did not beat it. So I don't feel like I can give proper ratings. Uh, also, I, I have alluded that I was not enjoying it. That would have affected my rating. Luckily, that has turned around. But either way, I didn't beat it. So I don't feel appropriate to give it a rating. But I will say uh, that it is getting rave reviews all around. Metacritic and IGN, GameSpot, Game Informer, all of them are giving it the 8 out of 10s, the 9 out of 10s. Well, Hardcore Gamer gave it a four and a half out of five. Like, it is getting just accolades across the board. And so that's what, you know, the general critics are saying right now. But, Chris, you have beaten it. So we're gonna, I'm going to let you put your scores on it. As you work through our five categories of story, gameplay, technical performance, graphics, sound, and sauciness, where did it end up for each one? So we'll start with story. Uh, for story, I would probably have given it a one star just based on the ending and, and how much I like that. Nice. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And I move on to, I think, the obvious one, which is gameplay. Yeah, I, you said it. If we could give it two stars, probably would deserve it, but I'll give it the full one star there as well. There you go. There you go. Technical performance. Can't can't knock it. I mean, this is going to be kind of a bland, <laughs> non-surprising <laughs> answer, but for me... Everything was on point, so it's going to get a one star there. 
Nice. We're we're headed to something maybe historic. Graphics and sound. <laughs> Graphics and sound. Yeah, same thing. One star. Can't can't really knock it there. Oh man! And then the sauciness factor. The sauciness factor, though, I, I don't know if I would give it the full one star just based on what I said. It's not going to be something I'm going to constantly go back and play. Mm-hmm. I think I would give it the half star there. There so, it is. So, you know, similar to some of the critic reviews we've seen, you know, definitely a strong four and a half out of five, eight out of ten, nine out of ten. I mean, it is up there in that category. Maybe not a perfect game, but really kind of nitpicking for me as far as what what I didn't like about it. So... You know, it's it's up there with one of the highest that we've rated on this show, at least. That's what I was thinking. Maybe I just perfect gamed it. I, by mentioning it, I denied it from happening. But I thought we were on our <laughs> way to a five out of five. But four and a half out of five is still really, really solid. So all in all, Chris and I would both highly recommend anyone with a Switch picking up Metroid Dread. The Nintendo first party puzzler platform does not disappoint. Hit us up on social if you've been playing it. Let us know how far you've made it, your stats, and of course, your favorite bosses. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this discussion, go ahead and smash the subscribe button so you never miss a chapter of Geek Catch-Up, and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Also, be sure to follow GK on social media. You can find links to all of our accounts on the show notes below and on our website, geekcatchuppodcast.com. There's even links to our merch store and Patreon if you'd like to support the show. But as always, remember to stay saucy, you nerds. <laughs>